Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. It's exciting to be at Peavine this morning. Are you excited about being here? I want you to know that I'm so thankful to be here this morning. I've been looking forward to this since Joel invited me. And I love your pastor and his wife and their family. Don't you? So thankful for Joel and Cherry and all of the family. When uh, Joel came to serve with us at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, it was a good day. And we had so many wonderful times. And uh, every now and then I'd wander in his office and uh, sit down and we would chat and and uh, talk about what God is doing uh, through his ministry among us. A man who loves evangelism, loves reaching people for Jesus Christ, and is doing such an effective job uh, wherever he has served. And he has been a blessing to my heart. Joel, it's great to be with you and Sherry today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be back at Peavine. I was here a number of years ago. You all have grown considerably since I was here before. And it's great to see the growth and to hear the joy I just love the enthusiasm of this worship service this morning and thank God uh, for you. Now, Pastor mentioned Peavine City. I've got to look that up on my map, uh, see if I can locate that. I think I actually came through the heart of it a little bit ago. 400,000 plus in this area, so many who need the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm thankful that God gave Joel Sutherland a heart for evangelism, reaching people with the gospel of Christ. I wish you could have been at the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Dallas, Texas this summer. In June, Joel led the crossover event for Southern Baptist. He was able to report that it was the largest response in evangelism that we have seen in all of our history of Southern Baptist doing crossover. We had more people come to faith in Christ through that experience. You remember the number? Over 5,000 that came to faith in Christ. That is a woohoo kind of a number, isn't it? That's awesome. But uh, thank you for sharing your pastor with Southern Baptist and Georgia Baptist. Doing a great work with the North American Mission Board as well as right here at Peavine and continuing to have an influence all across uh, the state of Georgia. I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to thank you for your gifts to missions through the cooperative program. You know what the cooperative program is? It's God's gift to Southern Baptist in 1925, where churches decided we can do more for the kingdom of God if we will bring our resources together. And as a result of that, Southern Baptists have become the largest evangelical force in the world today, and it has been that way for decades and decades. God has blessed the faithfulness of his people. Do you believe... In these wonderful writings, like I do, do you believe these words? If you believe this marvelous book, you know know that in this book, the Lord taught us that we are to carry all of the gospel to all the people in all the world all of the time. Am I right about that? Now, how are we going to take all the gospel to all the people in all the world all the time if we don't have some way to get that accomplished. How can Peavine be involved 
literally, and taking the gospel to all the world. I want to tell you the cooperative program is the way that Southern Baptists have been engaged in worldwide mission effort, and right from your chair here at Peavine, you're able to give your offering, your tithes and offerings to serve the Lord literally across the world, here in Georgia, across North America, and to the ends of the earth. And God is blessing that work through thousands of missionaries that you are supporting. Now, every now and then, you run into a church that says, well, we have missionaries. Well, how many missionaries do you have? Well, we support five or six missionaries, and, and we always love hearing from them. Well, that is a, that's a mission outreach by a local church. But because you are engaged in the cooperative program, you can report, we have thousands of missionaries serving in about 150 countries of the world today with over 150,000 baptisms last year out on the international mission field. You are doing that kind of work, Peavine, because you are giving to missions through the cooperative program. I want to thank you on behalf of Georgia Baptist and Southern Baptist for what you're doing there because we are to have the mission of Christ as the one mission of Peavine, and that is to reach lost people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, as Georgia Baptist, we are engaged in a very important emphasis called reaching the next generation. Now, there are a lot of young people in this church, and you are reaching the next generation. But let me just ask you a question today, because this is uh, this is to me, was very shocking. How many of you came to faith in Christ when you were 19 years of age or younger? Would you raise your hand? Y'all look around, see how many hands are up. That's marvelous. Did you know it's not like that right now? Last year among our Georgia Baptist churches, on average, of the 3,600 churches on average, our churches baptized one teenager. The median number was zero, which means that half of the churches baptized none and half baptized one or more. You say, well, what about older children? A lot of older children come to faith in Christ, and yes, indeed, they do. But last year, on average, Georgia Baptist churches baptized only three older children. And the median number was one, meaning half of the churches baptized one older child and the other half three or more. We can do better than that, Georgia Baptist. You know, we talked about this among our staff and the importance of reaching the next generation. And one of our men who was serving as an interim, interim pastor said, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I had not approached our young people about God's plan of salvation and the need to trust Christ. So he said, the next Wednesday night, I went in and talked to the young people, presented God's plan of salvation out of the New Testament, and we had six that professed faith in Christ that Wednesday night, and he said, I've already baptized them. I want to say, I think we'll reach more young people if we'll just think about it. Just focus on it. Share the gospel of Christ with our own children and our own young people. We as Southern Baptists have seen baptisms decline over the years. I think a big part of that is we're not reaching our young people as we did at one time. We took it for granted that we were going to reach our young people. But church, bear down on reaching your older children and your young people and encourage them to bear their witness in the high school and the middle school. 
And I believe God will pour out an incredible blessing, not just upon the church, but upon our families as well. Pastor Joel said it a few minutes ago, we have missionaries all over the world, and we say, yeah, we, we know about the missionaries, and we pray for them continually. But it's not just those who've been called to be career missionaries. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has called you to be a missionary. You're to be a missionary right where you live and right where you serve. Right here in Peavine City, right here in your county, right here in North Georgia, you are to be a missionary for Christ. What about that person next door to you? who's not going to anybody's church this morning? What about the person who lives down the road or the student who works in his realm in the, in the library there at your school or sits in the desk next to you or you recreate with during PE? What about those folks? Who's going to reach them? Are we going to have to call missionaries home from the field to win the people on our road? Or could it be that God has planted your life right here because he needs a missionary just like you, right where you live, right where you work, right where you go to school? You know, I've often wondered about what it is that makes a missionary tick. What is it that causes a missionary to leave the comfort of home and to go out across the nation or across the world, perhaps to serve in very primitive surroundings and in difficult and dangerous places. I'm thinking about Dr. Bill Norman. Dr. Bill Norman and his wife, Lois. Lois was a nurse. Bill was a surgeon. They buried their lives in the hospital in Obonsho, Nigeria. And there, day in and day out, they ministered to the physical needs of Nigerians. When I was in pre-med, I was a surgical technician at Montgomery Baptist Medical Center in Alabama. And I remember when Dr. Bill Norman came home on furlough and he came into the operating suite and performed surgery while he was home on furlough. And I remember when he walked out of the room, the other surgeons that were in the area would ask questions. Wonder why he went all the way to Nigeria. I mean... Think of the money that he could make here. Think of the influence that he could have here. But he went all the way out to Nigeria and buried his life there. And I remember as a high school student riding home with my mother in the car and Dr. Norman and his wife and their four kids pulled up beside us in what looked like an ugly duckling car. You've seen those advertised. And I looked over at him and I said, Mother, look at that. He could drive any car he wanted to if he lived in the States and operated here, but he's gone out to Nigeria. And I remember her saying, yes, he's gone out there because the material things don't mean so much to him. He just wants to do what God has called him to do. And I thought about Dr. Bill Norman so many times, and the influence of his sacrificial life in my own heart has been significant. You ever wondered what it is that makes a missionary a missionary? Could it be that, that those same qualities could have an influence on who you are and, and what you do? 
There have been a lot of great missionaries, but I'll tell you one of the greatest, at least in my mind, you probably would agree, was the Apostle Paul. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament and went all over his world planting churches, the world that he knew, and having an incredible impact in the midst of persecution and imprisonment and beatings and shipwrecks, and yet he kept plotting on for the Savior. Wouldn't it be cool if we could have the Apostle Paul here today and let him share his testimony with us? Wow, I'd love to know what made Paul the missionary that he was. By the way, we can do that because he's left testimony. You know, if I was to share my testimony with you this morning, I would probably start off by saying I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Having surrendered to him as a child of eight years of age, I've loved the Lord all my life. Not always pleased him. There was a time in college at Samford University when God called me to preach and I surrendered to the gospel ministry and pursued education. I have been blessed by a marvelous family and God's blessings day in and day out. I could share my testimony with you in that manner. And each one of those statements I would probably begin by saying I am. Well, Paul has done that for us. In Romans chapter 1, 14 through 17. And if we could interview Paul this morning, we would just say, Paul, would you share your testimony with us? And he would say, well, I'm glad you asked, Brother Bob. I'll be glad to do that. I am debtor. Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Well, thank you, Brother Paul, for sharing your testimony with us. We want to look at it closely. I noticed that you said, I am debtor. I feel that way too, don't you? I feel that way. What was Paul talking about when he said, I am debtor? I I believe that Paul was saying, I am debtor, I am in debt to my Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price for my sin by giving his life on the cross of Calvary. Had Jesus Christ not done that for me, I would be hopelessly and eternally lost. So Lord Jesus Christ, I am forever in your debt. I believe that's what Paul was talking about. He saw himself, as you read in the New Testament, you find where Paul saw himself as the chief of all sinners. And I'm confident that in that concept of himself, he saw himself holding the cloaks of those who were stoning courageous, young, devoted Stephen to death. 
And he thought about the many Christians that he presided over their stoning, over their death. And surely he cried out, oh God, I am the, I'm the worst sinner of all. But then knowing what Jesus Christ had done on the cross to bring remission from his sins because of the perfection of the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, something that only Christ could do for Paul and only Christ can do for you, Paul said, I am in your debt, Lord Jesus. Do you feel that way? If you were on your way home today on Mount Pisgah Road and somebody crossed the center line and hit your car head on. A fire started on the internal part of your car and smoke began to fill the compartment and you, you tried to unlock your doors but the wiring had been compromised and you couldn't unlock the doors and you couldn't, couldn't bang the, the windows open and then someone seeing the, the desperateness of that moment, came with a tire iron and broke the glass in the window and pulled you out to safety. You would probably say something like, Sir, I am totally indebted to you. If you had not come, I would have I died. Well, what do we say about Jesus who gave his life on the cross to bring eternal life to you? Lord Jesus, Sir, I am totally in your debt. Had you not given your life on the cross for me, I would be hopelessly and eternally lost. I think that's what Paul, that's one of the things that Paul was saying when he said, I am debtor. But notice that he said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So not only did he see himself in a vertical obligation indebted to the Lord Jesus Christ, but there was a horizontal devotion and responsibility as well. He was responsible to share what he knew about Jesus Christ with those who needed the Lord. He could have scarcely covered the landscape any better than he did. The Greeks were the epitome of culture. The barbarians were the most base of society. <laughs> he said, I am debtor to the Greeks. And to the barbarians, to the wise, the educated, the cultured, and to the unwise. Can I just say to all of us this morning, we have no right to pick and choose who we think should receive the gospel of Christ. Jesus died for everybody, regardless of the color of their skin regardless of the location of their residence, regardless of which high school they go to, regardless of what business they're in or no business at all, whether they're wearing a three-piece suit or in rags, whether they sleep in a six-bedroom house or out on the street. We are indebted to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise, and what is our debt to them? to share them with them what we know about Jesus, that he came and died so that they might be forgiven and have the gift of eternal life. How can we 
having the secret of the gospel and salvation in our hearts, walk by people every day with no concern about whether they're saved or whether they are lost. If we are followers of Christ and we possess the good news of the gospel, we should be compelled, indebted to share Jesus with everybody around us. I love what Paul said next in his testimony. Not only did he say, I am debtor, but he said, I am ready. <laughs> now, I imagine every Christian here would say, I am debtor. I realize that. Thank you, Brother Bob. I understand I am debtor. And Joel says, well, that's great. I've got a congregation of debtors. Come on, folks, we're going to go out and witness to some lost people in our community tonight. Oh, no, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. I mean, isn't that what we pay the staff for? The, past, the pastor and the staff are the ones who go out and win the lost to Jesus. Am I right? Well, not exactly. I mean, that's not the New Testament model. The New Testament model is that the church was dispersed and the apostles studied the word so that they might equip the saints for what purpose? To go out and to reach lost people for the kingdom. Now, I guarantee you, Joel is a soul winner. And there are people going to walk down the aisle because he led them to faith in Christ. But what if, what if 1,500 people this week led 1,500 people to faith in Christ. That's one per person. And what if you brought them to church next Sunday and you had 3,000 people here and half of them made professions of faith in Jesus Christ? Now, the pastor has a great staff, but they can't win everybody who's lost to Jesus. <laughs> what we need is every Christian who realizes that he is in debt or she is in debt to the Lord Jesus Christ and to those who are lost around us to say, I am ready to preach the gospel of Christ to you who are at Rome also. I'm afraid that too often we're like the guy who believed that God was calling his sister to be a missionary. And every day he prayed, God, I pray that you'll open up sister's heart and she will understand that you're calling her to be a missionary. And then one day, God surprised him. While he was praying about his sister, God called him to be a missionary. And I thought about that many times. There are so many people in the church today who are praying, Here, my Lord, send my sister. <laughs> Here, my Lord, send my brother. Here, my Lord, send my cousin. When what God wants is you. A fellow that wanted to have an antique automobile finally found one that he liked and he bought it. It was an old Ford. He was driving it home. He lived out in the country. He was on a dirt road on his way out to the farm when the thing stopped dead still in the middle of the road. He had no idea 
how to get the thing started again. He was standing there trying to, he couldn't even figure out how to open the hood on the old car. Just then, a black Lincoln comes roaring down the road, dust flying everywhere, stopped right beside him, and this guy in a three-piece dark suit got out, and he said, sir, it looks like you've got a problem. He said, well, I just bought this antique Ford, and it quit on me right out here, and I don't know what to do with it. The owner of the old car couldn't help but notice that the fancy driver kind of walked around his car and looked at it as though he loved it. He said it was kind of peculiar the way he looked at it, and he went around and he unlatched the hood and he folded it back. He reached in and made an adjustment on the carburetor, went around and adjusted the, the steering column, had a control on it, that he, uh, the, the, the gas flow, and he adjusted that. He went out front and he turned the crank and the old tin Lizzie ran just as good as the first day it was made. The new owner of the old car said, Sir, I, I don't know how to thank you. I would have been out here for hours. I don't even know your name. He wiped the dust off his hand. He stuck his hand out. He said, That's okay. I'm Henry Ford. I'm glad I could stop and help you. Listen. Henry knew what to do with the car because he made it. Doesn't it make good common sense for you as a Christian to put your life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and to say, Lord, you made me. You've called me. You use me any way that you will. Just put your life in the hands of the Lord and listen to him every day being ready, and you'll be amazed at what he will do. I was driving home from church. Winter, not too long ago, it was cold. A fellow pulled up beside me at a traffic light. He had a jury-rigged truck that had extended sides on it that he made with wood, filled up with firewood. And I remember Janice told me, we're going to need to get some firewood. We're about to run out. So I rolled the window down, and I said, hey, buddy. He saw I was calling to him. He rolled his window down. He was a really old gentleman, had a goatee that came down to about here. More hair on his chin than on his head. I said, are you selling that wood? He said, yep. I said, I want it. Will you follow me to the house? Yep. So I wasn't that far from the house. He followed me and backed his truck up to the apron on my driveway. I went up there, walked up to the truck. I've never heard such cursing in all of my life. I heard words I'd never heard before. He got out from the time he put his foot on the pavement on my driveway. He was cursing. and I was trying to carry on a conversation with him, not having a whole lot of success. He was offloading this wood. I said, sir, you look like you're in unusually good shape for your age. Well, he said, I had a rough year last year. I almost died. I said, what happened? He said, I had four bypasses. He kept unloading the wood, and God said to me, you need to share me with him. He went by junior. I said, God. Haven't you heard him? He's cussing. Crazy. He's not interested in you. 
God said, tell him about me. Okay, if you want to. <laughs> so when he got done, I said, hey, Junior, um, you said you almost died last year. What would have happened to you if you died? He said, I guess I would have gone straight to hell. That was a spiritual answer, and it surprised me. He knew there was a hell. I said, Junior, what would you say if I could tell you that you could know for sure that you wouldn't go to hell when you died, but you would go to heaven? Would that be okay with you? Yeah, I guess it would. So I shared the gospel with him. I said, is that what you need, Junior? Because if you'll ask Jesus to save you and forgive you of all the sins of your life, he'll do that right now, right here on this driveway. Would you like to do that? Yes, I would. And right there, he prayed a beautiful prayer, asking the Lord to come into his life and forgive him of the sins of his life. Shirt was hanging out over his britches and I'll never forget when I looked up from the prayer, he pulled his shirt up and he's wiping his eyes like that. God saved Junior and it was the last thing on my mind when I said, hey buddy, is that wood for sale? But because I've got my gauges set on ready, when the Holy Spirit said, share with Junior, Though I did question at first, <laughs> when the Lord insisted in my heart, I shared the gospel. You know what that was? That was a divine appointment. <laughs> God had that planned from the beginning of time. What if? I said, no, Lord, not me. I'm not ready. Junior would probably still be lost. And then Paul, continuing in his testimony, said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Can I ask you this morning, are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? You say, no, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, why don't you share it? If you're not ashamed of it, Share it. I've got nine grandchildren. I'll talk to any of you, share with you any of you about my grandkids. I am proud of those youngins, and I'll talk about them all day long. We talk about what we're proud about, don't we? I'm not ashamed of my family, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul demonstrated that. You know, he was in chains in prison. The guards would chain the prisoners to themselves. So here's a chain on this hand and a shackle and a chain on this side and a soldier over here and a soldier over here. And in that prison, Paul would say, hey guys, let me tell you what happened to me. I was on the road to Damascus to persecute some Christians and a great light came over me and I fell down in the middle of the road and I cried out, who are you, Lord? And I came to understand it was the resurrected and living Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, that day I gave him my heart, confessed my sin to him, and he saved me right there on the road to Damascus. 
Well, then came the changing of the guard. Happened every few hours. And you know what? That was okay with Paul. Because they would chain him to a couple of other guys. And he'd start all over. Hey, guys, let me tell you what happened to me. I was on the road to Damascus to persecute some more Christians, and a great light came over me, and I fell down in the middle of the road, and I cried out, Who are you, Lord? And I came to realize it was the resurrected and living Lord Jesus Christ, and I confessed my sins to him that day and gave him my heart, and I've never been the same since. And he can do that for you. And then they changed the guard. <laughs> Paul was having a wonderful time. And you notice in his writing that he wanted to be remembered to the Praetorian guard. For he had led them to faith in Christ while he was chained to them in the prison. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And neither should we be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then Paul concludes by these words, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We could add the words I am there, for Paul was literally saying, I am living by faith. Theologians have argued a lot about what does that mean from faith to faith. The theologian Lightfoot said he believed that it was the fact that as Christians we grow from one faith experience to another, to another, to another, and so our growth as Christians continues right through our experience. For we are living by faith, from faith to faith, growing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am debtor. Thank you, Paul. I am ready. Thank you, Brother Paul. I am not ashamed. I am living by faith. Can I just commend to you that we ought to have that same testimony? Every one of us in this room this morning who love Jesus should be able to make that statement. As a matter of fact, would you make that with me? I am debtor. Would you say that? I am debtor. I am ready. Would you say that? I am ready. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Say that with all fervor. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For I am living by faith. Would you share that? For I am living by faith. I was out in Africa, Kenya, East Africa, with six other guys from our church in Paducah, Kentucky, where I was pastor at First Baptist. We were going to the smallest little African villages with thatched huts around and dirt streets, just sharing the gospel of Christ. Tommy McIntosh, who was an electrician, was hooking up the amplification system to his truck battery. And I would use a mic and we would share the gospel. I remember one day we were setting up in a flat field, getting ready to share the gospel, invite people from the village to come out. And three African young men came walking by and they encountered Charles Hen, one of our senior adults. They thought we were from Finland because of our fair complexion. And they asked Charles, said, are you finished? He said, no, we ain't finished. We had not even started yet. P. Vine, 
you aren't finished. You ain't even started yet. With over 400,000 people in your neighborhood who need the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not finished. You're not finished. You're just getting started with what God wants to do in this place. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're amazed that you love us as you do. Help us, Father, to see ourselves and understand that we are all Christian missionaries serving where you have placed us to be soul winners, people who care about those who are lost. Help us to reach out all across this area around Peavine to the many, many people who need Jesus. Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and that we would indeed yield ourselves to you. With your hearts lifted to the Lord and in an attitude of prayer this morning. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.